if you have a story you would like to hear featured on this podcast, please go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button to submit your story. Also, if the platform you're listening on has the option to rate this podcast, please consider doing so. And thank you. Hello. I wanted to share an event that happened to me and my friend back in 2014. I live in a part of the US where fireworks are banned, so unless we went to my grandparents' property that was over an hour away, the only thing that we could really do was have a cookout and or go see a fireworks show. This particular year, my parents decided that they wanted to have a smaller celebration at a somewhat local fireworks show. And by a smaller celebration, I guess they meant my mom and dad, my two twin older brothers, and a couple that were friends of my parents. My brothers were 18, so they hung out with each other a lot, and then my parents had each other and their friends, so me being 14... I was feeling a bit left out. After throwing some hints their way, they allowed me to invite a friend to join us, so I chose my best friend, Holly. And with us also being at that age, we also wanted to look our best, so before we left for the park, we did our hair and makeup, and wore our cutest patriotic outfits that we could. We were feeling good about ourselves, and also kind of grown up, so we were pretty excited. However, when we arrived, I had to help my parents pull out the chairs and the food and drinks before anything. Shortly after, two more of my parents' friends showed up, who had a kid close to my brother's age, so they started talking to him too. I was pretty annoyed at this because, if Holly hadn't come, there would be even more people in our small gathering and nobody for me to hang out with. I'm used to my parents doing that. It was still annoying. At least, at my age. And so when they started talking, I told my mom that Holly and I were going to walk around the park for a bit. She said that it was fine, but to be back at a certain time so that we could eat and watch the show. With that, we grabbed our purses and phones and walked off. Again, we were feeling on top of the world. Holly was just like me whenever it came to our hobbies and interests, so we thought that we would walk over to the small water park nearby, maybe get our feet wet, take some pictures, and just talk. We at least prepared to get wet since it was so hot, so we had our bathing suits on underneath. As we approached the water park, we spotted two boys hanging out at the skate park, which was pretty much in the same area. They looked younger or at least close to our age. We both commented on them being there and continued to the water. We may have been a bit louder than normal, with our screaming and laughing, partially trying to get their attention too. Not long after, we looked back and noticed that they were walking over here making comments. They sat by us and started talking to us. They asked who we were here with, why we were alone, and pretty much just some innocent things like that. We explained that we just wanted to escape my family for a bit. 
They briefly talked about themselves, telling us their names, which I don't remember anymore. They told us they were 16. We told them that we were 14, so they were pretty close to our age. After talking for a while, they asked us if we wanted to go with them to hang out some more. We asked where, and they said it would still be in the park. It was just behind the parking lot. Holly and I looked at each other and thought since it was still going to be in the park, then we should be fine. However, I knew that it was getting close to the time that my mom expected me back, and if I wasn't, I would probably get in trouble. I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of my friend and our potentially new friends, so I told them that I needed to go back to my family first. They teased us, in a friendly way, making fun of us for needing permission and having a curfew. I denied their claims and just clarified that it was more about letting them know that we were going to be out longer. I even told them that we were having a cookout and offered to bring them back something. I was 14. I didn't really know what to offer a cute boy that was interested in me, so I guess I thought a hot dog and soda would suffice. They declined, though, and said that they would just wait there. So, we waved them off and made our way back to my family. When we returned, I saw my brothers and the other guy in the field behind our car throwing a football, and there were two more new people there that I didn't recognize. We were greeted by my mom, I was introduced to the new people, and then we were free to eat and do whatever we wanted. By the time we finished eating, the sun was setting and the sky was transforming into the dark blues. Everyone was starting to find their seats, so we thought it was a good opportunity to dip. I once again told my mom that we were going to walk around, and since it was getting dark, she told us not to go far. I know my mom. She was way too preoccupied with her friends there and just said something to sound like a caring and in-controlled parent, but I knew that it was BS. So, as we started walking to the field, I gave a look to Holly and we both laughed, knowing that we were going back to the water park. We were both hopeful that the boys were still nearby, and were talking about who we thought were cuter and the other normal 14-year-old girl banter. As we got closer, we saw that they were, in fact, still there, now sitting on one of the railings and smoking. Now, I've caught my brothers smoking too, so I know what it looks and smells like. I wasn't interested in it, but I thought that maybe we would look cooler hanging out with them. We greeted them, and they again confirmed that we wanted to chill with them elsewhere, and we agreed. We followed behind them, past the parking lot on the other side of the water park, and down a small embankment. One of the boys pulled out a phone, turned on their flashlight, and shined it down a large cement tunnel. I've seen these before on construction sites, but I still don't know what they were for. I also didn't realize how large they were until I was standing right next to one. They stood to the side and held out an arm, ushering us into the tunnel. We walked in it at first, and it was pretty cool. Looking at Holly, I think we were both kind of nervous, but there was an opening on both sides, and it seemed like a nice place to get away. We all started talking again, about random stuff, 
and one of them asked what school we went to. We told them the middle school, and they mentioned a high school that we hadn't heard of. They said it was in a different city, though, so it made sense to us. They said that we looked older, closer to their age, and mentioned that they thought that we were hot. Again, it was a nice feeling to me. I just had a guy confirm that he liked me, and neither of us had been in a relationship before. That's when one of them said that they brought something, and walked out of the tunnel. I saw them lean over behind the tunnel, and they came back in, wiping off a bottle. He said that he had taken it from his house, so he knew that it was good. We had never drank before, so it made me feel a bit nervous. He offered it to Holly first, and she declined. So, when he offered it to me, I declined too. Again, they both started teasing us, saying that we were scared or too perfect to try it. They both took squigs of it, but then turned back to us. I guess that I was bad about peer pressure, because as their teasing and pressure continued, I caved in and grabbed the bottle from them, taking a big gulp. It was horrible. It tasted like what rubbing alcohol smelled like. It burned my tongue, throat, and nostrils as I swallowed. I handed it back to them, coughing as they started laughing. I told them they should get something better because that tasted awful. I was trying to play it off, but I think that I failed. I looked over at Holly, and she laughed too, but I could feel that she was feeling a bit awkward. I thought that things were calming down when they asked us if we wanted to play a game. We just kind of smiled and said sure. One immediately suggested we play truth or dare, and the other one agreed. And then the one facing me said, I'll go first. I dare you to take your shirt off. As he stared, smiling directly at me. Not knowing how to react in this situation whatsoever, I just laughed. I told them I wasn't going to do that, and they started laughing at me again, teasing me about it. They made comments about us being there with them for a reason, and that they thought that this was our intentions. Holly and I both disagreed, saying that we just thought we were going to hang out. Then the one in front of me stood up and got really close to my face. I could feel him breathing on me. He was that close. I was terrified at this point. They claimed to be 16, and it was entirely possible that they were lying, especially now seeing just how much bigger he was compared to me. I didn't know what to do. I felt if either of us tried to run, they would very clearly be able to catch us. We didn't even know that they had the alcohol on them, so who knew what else they could have had. The guy in front of me started laughing, and as fear gripped my heart, I could only muster what I normally did when I was terrified. I started crying out and called out for my dad. Except, I became quite a baby in these situations, and embarrassingly, I exclaimed, Dad! This caused the guy standing in front of me to look out the tunnel quickly. That's when I realized that he probably thought I was yelling for him. I looked up to see his face, and he honestly looked concerned. So, I decided to go with it. I yelled out, We're down here, Dad! 
Holly quickly grabbed my arm and joined in on shouting for our dad. The boys made another bullying remark about us, telling us to run off before we got in trouble, and we didn't waste any time. We ran out of the tunnel and climbed back up the parking lot, looking back once to see if they were behind us. They weren't, but we couldn't see anything a few feet in front of us due to how dark it was. We hurriedly made our way back to my family, where they were all laughing and having a good time. We climbed in the back of my dad's SUV so that we could calm down and catch our breaths. We were both deeply shaken by this, thinking about what could have possibly happened if I didn't have my little outburst there. We both kind of mutually agreed to never let something like that happen again, but we weren't going to tell my parents either. I was terrified of those boys finding us, or possibly running into them in the future, but I was also worried about getting in trouble if I told them that I drank alcohol. That's just where my 14-year-old mind went. We ate a bit more, me trying to cover up a smell that I thought they might notice, and stayed very close to my family for the rest of the night. We never physically saw those boys again after that night, but I did recognize one of them from somewhere. I was going through my brother's yearbook later that summer, and as I flipped through, I saw the face of the boy that was standing in front of me. It immediately brought back the memories, and I asked my brother if he knew him. To my surprise, he did. He said he used to be on their baseball team, but was kicked off after getting into some trouble. I asked what he did, and he said that he didn't know for sure, but the rumors were that he beat up his girlfriend at the time or something. Then he mentioned how he didn't like him because he thought he was a weirdo, or something was off about him. He asked me why I asked about him, and I just told him that he looked familiar and left it at that. I then went to my room and tried to recover from a panic attack alone. One of them was at least 18, and they claimed to be 16, most likely because we said we were 14. They were practically adults, and they were totally okay with doing what they did to us. I still have not told anyone to this day, and I know that that was probably stupid, but I really didn't know who to tell and what, if anything, could be done. They didn't technically do anything to us, and it would have just been us versus them. I told Holly about what I found, and she also agreed that she didn't want to tell anyone, or even talk about it. So, we just hid it deep inside, and now, I guess I'm sharing it with you. If anyone takes anything from this, let it be this. Always, always trust your gut. Especially young boys and girls that may have self-esteem and confidence issues. And an adult, young or old, should never want to party with a kid alone. Hey Raven. Your viewers seemed to like hearing about my night walks and sleepwalking experience, so I thought I would share something a little more recent. 
I posted some of this to Reddit a while back, but I figured that you and your viewers would like to hear it as well. My boyfriend and I moved into this apartment six years ago, and it's probably the strangest place that I've ever lived, even including the incidents in my childhood, which I'll submit at another date. It's also a block away from a really famous cemetery. In the first year that we lived here, we had this shadow, about cat-sized, that would dart back and forth between our room and the spare bedroom. The doors of those two rooms face each other, and the bathroom door is between those two doors, if anyone wants to know. So, we would just see this tiny shadow figure dash past the lit bathroom multiple times a day or night. Then, one day I was getting ready to store some stuff in the spare bedroom, I turned on the light and was shocked to see a young man laying on the bed. We made eye contact, and he just vanished. Like, blinked out of existence, vanished. After that, the shadow never came back. The second year had quite a few events, which I can only attribute to ghosts or shadow people. For instance, I walked into our room and saw the shadow of a person cross the wall like they walked past our bedroom window. Except, our apartment is on the second floor, with nothing but dead air outside our window. No one could have been walking there. And that summer, my boyfriend went out of town, so I decided to shampoo the carpets and had moved all the furniture into the kitchen with the only lamp in the apartment all the way in the back, and not plugged in, of course, because it wouldn't need to be used, and I would have to climb over everything to get to it anyways. I had some snacks in the bedroom in case I got hungry. I didn't finish the carpet cleaning until about 1am, thankfully I texted the neighbors about it and had permission to take as long as I needed. Exhausted, I took a shower, shut off all the lights, and climbed into bed. I woke up at 8am to my bedside lamp, it's one of those desk lamps with the arm and all, inches from my face, and pointed directly at me. This was before we replaced all the bulbs with LEDs, so not only was it bright, but it was extremely hot. I moved it out of the way and got up to find that every single light in the house was on. Even the lamp that I couldn't reach had been plugged in and turned on. I shut off the lights that I could reach and then went to my sister's for a couple of days. When I came back, the lamp was off, but still mysteriously plugged in the same socket as the fridge. I moved the furniture back and things seemed normal for a while. That winter, though, my boyfriend and I were woken up by a flashing light. We got out of bed to investigate, and found that my bicycle light was turning itself on and off in the spare bedroom. Thinking it was malfunctioning, I took the batteries out and put it back on the bicycle. We got back in bed, and the spare room started flashing again. This time it was the room light, and the bicycle light that didn't even have a battery. Annoyed, I said... Knock it off. Got out of bed and took the bulbs out of both, and then shoved them in a drawer. The next day, I put the bulbs back in, but the bicycle light wouldn't even turn on. The button wouldn't even click, so 
I just threw it away. The third and fourth year kind of blend together. We had some neighbors who were really loud and always negative. It seemed to attract things to our apartment. We would have nightmares most nights, and wake up hearing something inhuman cackling about it. My boyfriend and I agree that this was some form of dream demon. I woke up one morning to voices in the room, sat up, and realized it was a green ring of lights in the closet, speaking. And my boyfriend was saying the exact same thing that it was at the exact same time. I don't remember everything they said, but I do remember that it rhymed. The bit that I do remember is, We the spirits of earth and sky come to this world to die. Then, the last event that year was, once again, while my boyfriend was out of town. I woke up feeling like I wasn't alone in the room, so I sat up and looked around. I saw a hand coming out from under the sheets and resting on my pillow in between me and the wall. I sleep on the wall side of the bed. I grabbed the hand, instinctually I guess, and I watched the blankets move like something slithered down them and under the bed. The hand vanished and I heard a voice say, huh? In a what the hell kind of tone. Having had enough, I pulled the blankets over my head, ignored the rustling sounds coming from under the bed, and just went back to sleep. Nothing happened the fifth year that we lived here, but this year we had my nephew staying in the spare room for a couple of months. When he moved out, he left the room an absolute mess, and my boyfriend and I spent a few hours cleaning it and had to throw away most of the bedding. We also keep the litter boxes in that room, so my boyfriend cleaned them. We use these bags for the waste that are big enough for a small trash can, but are as sturdy as those black yard bags people use for leaves in the fall. Both litter boxes fill one of those pretty much all the way. My boyfriend set the bag down next to the front door, went to get the trash from under the kitchen sink to take them both out at the same time, and when he got to the door, the litter bag was gone. He asked me if I moved it. I hadn't. We spent an hour looking for it, thinking maybe we'd misremembered. I don't know if that was the ghost helping us out, or if it was a glitch, but that bag of waste has not reappeared. And for those who might think that he took it out and forgot, our dumpster is half a block away, and my boyfriend was only out of my sight for less than a minute. Not enough time for him to have taken it out. And I checked the front step to see if he'd put it there as well. So, yeah. This apartment is... really strange. If anything else happens, I'll be sure to let you all know. My husband Kent and I took a trip out of state one year for our Independence Day celebration. We decided on a road trip to the West Coast, to a national park that we've both been wanting to go to for years. We were both very outdoorsy, but also very amateur too. We were not professionals by any means, but we loved being out there with nature, 
seeking the serenity of it, and not to mention the allure of an adventure into a new place. So, with our bags packed, and excitement in our hearts, we set off to enjoy each other's company, and immerse ourselves in the breathtaking beauty of steep cliffs, and trees taller than we could even fathom. The drive itself went fine. We took all of our precautions and car maintenance before we left, so no issues there. We got to the park on a Sunday, which was the weekend before the 4th. It was during the week, so we wanted to go before then, knowing it was probably either going to be insane or just closed. We had our bags with us, with some pretty normal hiking equipment, and we even had a small insulated bag with some cheap hot dogs and a few other small food items. We were wanting to find a good spot to maybe have a small barbecue or fire to ourselves. After about an hour of walking and sightseeing, we came across a beautiful fenced area that looked like it may have been an old campground. I say old because there was a boarded off place where you would see tents and a grill, but it looked really run down, like it was abandoned. However, with that in mind, and the breathtaking view, Kent said that we probably wouldn't be bothered this far up, so we decided to call it Dibs. We sat under a nearby tree in the shade for a while, resting and just enjoying each other's company. And that was until our stomachs started talking too. We started pulling out our food and blankets when we realized we didn't bring any type of utensils. Our condiments were all in packages, and we didn't bring anything like potato salad, of course, so bringing something to grab the dogs from the grill didn't even cross our mind. So Kent set out to find some good sticks that we could use instead, making our meal even more authentic slash camping style, I suppose. I stayed behind getting our stuff ready and trying to prepare the fire. As I busied myself with prepping our small food bar, I listened to the sounds of the birds chirping, the squirrels scurrying around the trees, and his footsteps slowly fading out. However, that's when our seemingly perfect day darkened. While Kent was searching for our utensils, I heard what sounded like a soft thud. I didn't think anything of it at first, just assuming it was maybe nearby rocks falling, or even my husband dropping something, knocking something over, or maybe breaking off a branch. No big deal. But when I called out to him asking a question, and did not even get as much as him asking me to repeat myself, I became a little concerned. I doubted that he would have gone somewhere far enough to not be able to hear me without telling me. So, I dropped what I was doing and again called out for him and got no response. I started walking back by the trees when my heart dropped. I saw him laying nearly face down on the ground. I ran up to him, turning him around when he started groaning. I was nearing a panic attack, not knowing what to do. We were way up here on a mountain, pretty much alone. How was I supposed to get him help by myself? I was maybe 160 pounds at the time, and I couldn't even pick him up. I softly tapped his face and grabbed his hand trying to get him to wake up, fearing to shake him too hard just in case he'd hurt his spine or neck. Thankfully, he finally came to, but he was still groaning in pain, 
I tried to ask him a million questions at once. What happened? What hurts? Are you okay? He just said that his ankle seemed to give out and he fell to the ground, hitting his head on something. He also said that his ankle was now in excruciating pain, so I pulled up his pant leg to see a huge, purple, and swollen ankle. If he didn't break it, it was definitely fractured or dislocated or something. After confirming that he was feeling alright otherwise, other than a headache, and that he had feelings in his legs, I helped him up. He used me to lean on and I brought him back to our blanket where I had him sit down. That's when I noticed the blood on his head. A first aid kit was something that we packed, but it too was pretty basic. I pulled out an antiseptic wipe to clean his head, and I tried my best to bandage it with the gauze that we had. Then I gave him a small one-time use ice pack to put on his ankle. While I thought I had the situation somewhat under control, my mind finally started to process the gravity of the situation that we were in. We needed help and I was going to have to be the one to go get that help. The cell signal was shoddy at best. This was in the early 2000s, so we had some pretty crappy flip phones. Kent realized this too and said that I needed to go back down to let someone know. But to be honest, I was worried about leaving my husband alone. If he'd hit his head hard enough to get knocked out, I was worried that he might have a concussion or something else might happen while I was gone. He did his best to assure me that he would be fine, but ultimately, I knew that I didn't have a choice. I had to go. I gave him a hug and a kiss, wiped my face, and told him that I would be back as soon as possible. I quickly walked down the path that we had used to get there, and I tried to stay calm, but the tears would not stop. I was so afraid. I was afraid of leaving him there alone. I was afraid of the idea of us being in an unfamiliar place, far from the comforts and conveniences of home, not to mention a car and a hospital. As I sprinted down the path hoping to not fall myself, every rustle of leaves and every snap of a twig sent my imagination into a frenzy. I couldn't help but envision every nightmarish possibility. Each step that I took felt heavier and heavier, knowing that it was to help my husband. After what felt like an eternity, a glimmer of hope emerged from the dense foliage. I spotted a family setting up a tent. I began crying at the sight of the other people, and immediately approached the adults and explained what happened. The woman started pointing me in the direction of a ranger cabin nearby, and asked me if I needed any help. I don't know what else they could do, but the man agreed to go back up so that he wasn't alone. I felt bad, not wanting the woman to be by herself, but she at least had the two kids with her. I continued down the path to thankfully find the nearby ranger cabin that was on the path opposite of the way that we went. Someone was there, allowing me to explain what happened, and they quickly grabbed some things and called in for an ambulance. Thankfully, they had a small golf cart-like vehicle, and we were able to get back much faster. I was so relieved when we got back to see him fully conscious and aware of what was going on. 
but his ankle definitely was not looking any better. The man with the family and the ranger helped get him into the passenger seat of the cart, and I quickly scrambled to pick up our stuff. My thoughtful husband was still trying to pick stuff up while he waited. The ranger allowed me to hold on to the back of the cart, where there was basically just a small cubby place to put items, so that I could get down to the entrance with them quickly. By the time that we got down there, the ambulance was already waiting to whisk us away. I drove our car behind the ambulance, and in that moment, I marveled at the sheer power of human compassion of these complete strangers who were willing to stop and help us in our time of need. When we arrived at the hospital, they did x-rays and determined that he did dislocate his ankle, so they were able to fix it without surgery, at the least. They also did a scan since the fault did knock him out to make sure that he didn't have a concussion, or worse, internal bleeding, and again, he was fine. Thank god I didn't think about that possibility at the moment of the event. Once he was in the room, I had pizza delivered to the hospital, and we just celebrated our night there. He felt bad for, in his words, ruining our trip, but I was more than happy just knowing that he was okay. We stayed at a nice nearby hotel that had a pool that we swam in and still enjoyed our vacation. Thankfully, we both got home okay and had one hell of a story to share with friends and family. But for that moment, I was terrified, not knowing what to do in the situation. We're a lot more careful now whenever we go hiking and go into places unknown to us, but we're also much better prepared for emergencies. So, stay safe, and stay hydrated, friends. To start, I'm 31 and male. The first event happens around 15 years ago. My grandpa had kind of an old-timey gangster vibe. Nice suit, fedoras, clean cut. I was super interested in history as a kid. Grandpa was a Navy World War II vet, so me and him got along really well. We used to hang out for hours reading or watching World War II history and building models. My parents named me after him, and I've just always felt close to him. He passed away when I was around 15. It hurt my dad and I pretty bad. I have five siblings that didn't seem to care much about it, but it was crushing for my dad and I. So, we really built a bond through it all. So, one day my dad brings home a bunch of my grandpa's old clothes. He was a pretty wealthy guy and had a ton of really nice clothes. My dad lays piles and piles of clothes on his bed, telling me that I can look through them and have whatever I want. We hang out for a bit, looking at them, and then he leaves to go get more stuff. I'm trying on different suits, looking at myself in the big mirror in my parents' bathroom. Eventually, I put on one that just kind of feels different. Dark brown tweed, brass trims. I found it in this old canvas bag. It's big, but I felt really cool. I get the pants, vest, and jacket on and walk into the bathroom. 
Getting adjusted while standing in front of the mirror, I look down at the hat for a second, and then look back at the mirror. Time feels like it totally stands still. I'm looking at myself in the mirror, but it's not me. I know that I'm in my parents' bathroom looking at myself in the mirror, but it's not my reflection. It's my grandpa looking back at me in the mirror. I've never seen a picture of him when he was young, but I knew that it was him. It felt a little eerie at first, almost like I was trapped or being watched. Then, I felt this kind of brushing pressure on my chest, like someone was wiping dirt off the lapels of the suit. I felt this wave of calm come over me. I felt like he was there with me, straightening the suit up to make sure that I look good. I couldn't help but just stare at the reflection. I don't know how to explain it, but it just felt really nice. Then, it was just gone. I felt shocked for a moment and then just really sad and couldn't fight the tears from coming. I found out eventually from my grandma that he had bought that suit as a present to himself when he started his business after he got out of the Navy. Apparently, he hadn't worn it for years until he had it tailored to wear to my baptism. To her memory, he put it in a canvas bag after, and she hadn't seen him wear it since. I felt it again on my wedding day, getting adjusted in the mirror, being nervous. I felt that pressure on my chest again, just a gentle sense of calm. It felt like he was there with me, was wearing a different suit, but I still felt it. I didn't need that shot of whiskey I was about to take, and went on to have one of the best days of my life. I still have it. It didn't fit me until I was in my mid-twenties, and I've had it tailored a few times now, but I wear it whenever I get the chance. This will take a lot of backstory and explaining, but it's worth it. This is one of many stories that I have. Growing up, we lived in a few different houses. The story is about the current house that my parents live in. My parents' houses have always been haunted. I've always been sensitive to ghosts for as long as I can remember. Every house that we've lived in has been haunted, and I have been haunted and a few of those ghosts are attached to me still. Even though I'm moved out, things still occur. Most of the ghosts attached are good, I make sure of it, so don't worry. Anywho, backstory time. I will probably be referencing multiple houses, so I'm going to name the current house they live in the Shelby House. When I was younger, we lived in the same neighborhood that they live in now. We moved out of our first house and moved to a couple different houses, and now my parents are living in the same original neighborhood that I grew up in. It is a house a few houses down from our first house. The Shelby house has had a few different owners, and being a small town, we knew most of the owners. Well, the previous owners, Thomas and Grace, fake names for privacy, were a couple with an empty nest. I'm not sure how long they owned the house before us, but they were the couple that my parents bought the house from. 
They aren't there now, but when we moved in, the mailbox and the curb across from it had rose bushes at the end of the driveway. They had been there for a while. As I said, we knew some of the previous owners of this house, so the rose bushes were there since I was a kid. I remember seeing them when we would go visit sometimes. Now, the driveway is horrendous. It's so hard to get out of, and that's very important to the story. Back to the story. So, there were a lot of different incidents of this happening to the point that Grace would make jokes about it to us. When my parents bought the house, Grace said, Be careful of the rose bushes. They're cursed. The roses caused Thomas to die. She made some jokes like, Just make sure you don't run over the roses. And laughed. My parents are super religious, so they didn't believe her, and they don't believe in ghosts or curses. Well, every time someone related to Thomas and Grace, themselves friends, family, anybody, would run over those bushes on the curb opposite to the mailbox, they would have the worst luck for, like, an entire week, and people would tell Thomas and Grace about it. Now, this is where the story takes a turn. Thomas ran over the rosebush one day, and a week later, he sadly had a heart attack and died inside the house. That's what led Grace to sell the house to my parents. It's important to note that Thomas was six foot. I have no idea if the previous owners had stuff happen to them because of said rose bushes. Okay, now to how the roses take effect on my family. We hadn't even lived in this house for a month, and my father accidentally ran over the rose bushes one day. That week, he got some rare type of food poisoning, went septic in the middle of the night, and had to be rushed to the hospital. He passed out at home while in the kitchen and fell and broke his ribs because he hit the floor so hard. The doctor said that it was a miracle he survived. He was in the hospital for at least two months or more, and also had to have some type of surgery. Then, my mother ran into the rose bushes on her way to work, and she had someone rear-end her. Everyone was fine in the crash, but still, like, what? So after those two things happened, my parents decided to take the rose bushes on both sides up and just replant different flowers. My parents were too busy to do it, so they told my brother-in-law and sister to do it. My brother-in-law's mother helped them. They all had bad luck and had catastrophic things happen to them for almost a month. I can't remember what they were because it was one after another almost every single day. They replanted different flowers, and the new flowers died immediately. No matter how many flowers my family replanted, they would all die. Now, I lived in that house for about a year or so before I moved out. I would always hear footsteps and voices when no one was home. I always had nightmares of me being haunted and possessed and bad things happening to my family. I would constantly have sleep paralysis. It was to the point where I wouldn't sleep because I was scared to have nightmares. Or I'd sleep in my car, or sleep when I would come home from school around lunch. Well, one day I was home alone and eating lunch in the living room, while on the phone with my boyfriend at the time, Owen. 
From the couch, you can see into my room in the hallway at any angle, pretty much. I was on FaceTime with Owen and watching GMM like every day when I got home from school around lunchtime. I remember that I was sitting there eating ramen, and all of a sudden I see this six-foot-tall dark figure just walk into my room from the hallway, and then I heard someone go into my room. I saw my door open, and I said, Owen, I think someone is in my house. And he said, Okay, get something to protect yourself and stay on the phone. If something happens, I'll call the cops. I grab a knife from the kitchen, and when I walk into my room and I check out my brother's room and the bathroom, no one is there. A couple of days go by and the same thing happened. It kept happening. So I told my brother about it and he said the same would happen to him. The day that I moved out of that house, all of the nightmares of me having possessions and being haunted, and bad things happening to my family, and sleep paralysis, stopped. My brother tells me that he has them now, and most nights he won't sleep in the house. He'll go to my sister's house and sleep. Every time I go to my parents' house now, I go home with a giant migraine and... I just feel like my entire energy is drained out of me. This story may need a little context, so here are a few key things to keep in mind. One, I was raised by my grandparents. Two, I only saw my mother off and on. Three, she has a large number of sisters. Four, it is not uncommon for me to mistake my nieces and nephews with my aunt and uncles. And five, yes, my mom's mom and my mom had kids at the same time. And I rarely saw them, so I get confused sometimes. With all that out of the way, let's dive in. I was 15 at the time and my mother was having a large family gathering at her house. I was invited because, while my mother and I weren't close, she had recovered from drug use for two or three years, and was making a solid effort to turn her life around. Several of my aunts, uncles, cousins, nieces, and nephews would be there, and at this point, my grandparents were pretty confident my mother was actually trying really hard to re-establish a relationship with me. We weren't the best of friends, but I also didn't hate her either. I get there, and it is blatantly a fantastic time. The younger of us played in the water slides, went on four-wheeler rides, and had ice cream from an ice cream truck, and we were all a little tired by the end of day one. Then, the night comes. My mom puts on the outsiders for us to watch while we were going to bed, because I think any sane human knows that trying to get 10-plus teenagers to bed on time is a wasted effort. I was exhausted, but unfortunately I had battled badly with insomnia my entire life. It was 2.30am, and everyone else was asleep. Someone knocks on the door of the room that we're staying in. I'm a little aggressive at this point, saying something along the lines of, it's 2am, what? And a voice using a bad redneck accent responds, saying, It's your Uncle Mike, 
go grab a knife in the kitchen. I was kind of in a jolt of thought about that, because I did have an Uncle Mike in the house at the time, but he actually was a redneck. This was almost as if someone was held at gunpoint and told they had to do a redneck accent, but physically were not able to. They were also sounding like they were choking on every word. So, I simply decided I wasn't going to do that. No, it's 2am. I'm not grabbing a knife from the kitchen, Mikey. I had never called my uncle that, but for some reason, the fear made me speak out of sync with my thoughts a bit. But we made cake for everyone. You have to get a knife from the kitchen. Hell no, I thought. Mike couldn't cook anything other than bacon, hamburgers, and steak. I opened the door and rushed into my oldest cousin's room. He was sleeping on a bed in a tent inside. Mr. Lonely was playing with a blue room light on. I locked the door behind me and slept with my cousin who was in their 20s, and he was rough around the edges. I slept in that room that night only to wake up to accusations. My aunt, the one married to Mike, asked why I was banging on her door all night. I told her I wasn't. She said that, at apparently a similar time that I went into my cousin's room, I banged on her door and she got dressed to open it. The door to my cousin's room was open, the lights were off, and no music was playing in the room. But no one was in there. When I told her my version of the story, she said that it was impossible because Mike left for work at 7.30 to be at work at 8pm, and wouldn't be back until closer to 4am. My older cousin, who I slept with, also had a different version of the story, stating that he woke up to no one in the room but his door open, and him looking down the hallway to every door in the hallway being opened. He shrugged it off and went back to bed after locking his door. He had no explanation for how I got into his room without jimmying the door open. After some conversation, my oldest cousin whipped out his cell phone and started begrudgingly asking questions. When we heard nothing, we listened to the video, and a clear-as-day voice could be heard speaking, saying, My name is Mike. I'm here. It sounded like it was choking, but without a bad southern accent. Afterwards, my family just decided it was a weird night, and didn't bring it up again, except in joking ways, because... What are you gonna do about it? My mom and my aunt are very spiritual, but I'm a skeptic. I just thought I would tell my version of the events. And, yeah, my whole family thought that it was weird that I heard a voice at the other side of the door, and when I opened it, no one was there. And I never even thought about that aspect as a scared teenager. I don't know if this will be popular or if anyone will see it. This is the first time that I'm sharing this with the world, let alone really anybody other than my immediate family. I thought it would be fun to hop on here and share a story for fun that will always be an interesting topic. When I was 10 to 12, give or take, I lived in a house near Illinois, not giving away the whereabouts. <laughs> this house was a normal, mid-90s household that was built in the 90s. What happened to my family was around three or four years ago. Anywho, this house was a normal household. 
and we had lived in it up to that point for a good five years. Nothing happened, and we were fine. Everything was fine up until the point that we put our house on the market. I was a little girl and was always upstairs doing my own thing. One night, about a couple of days with our house being on the market, my mother went to take the dog out late at night, probably like midnight. And as soon as she entered the garage alone with the dog, a slow scratching noise would start going up and down on a styrofoam box that we had on the garage counter. My mom went to look on the other side of the box, expecting an animal to be causing this sound. To her surprise, nothing was there, and the box was left untouched, at least by anything living. The slow scratching eventually turned into a fast, inhuman scratch. Thinking nothing of it, she continued on with her night and went to bed. I wish I could say that that was the last thing that happened, but unfortunately, it wasn't. A lot of this happened to my mom, as the next thing that happened was when she was relaxing and taking a bubble bath. I can't remember if this was during the day or night, but I'm going to say that it was at night. Our bathroom had two doors to enter, one from the hallway and one from the master bedroom. My mom had these both open, or at least had the hallway entrance closed. However, one door open was enough for her to see a shadow figure. She describes it as a figure running across the entrance, also to mention that nobody was home with her. And she doesn't believe it was anything, just maybe it was her imagination. Meanwhile, I was around 10 years old, old enough to be home alone, and when I was home alone, the house would be dead silent, just me and whatever else was there. I would hear footsteps as clear as day upstairs, walking, I don't know if it could have been the house settling in, but there was something there with me, walking right above me. Not only have I experienced this, but this has also happened to my mother as well. The night that changed our lives was the night that my sister found out. My sister did her own thing usually, so I don't think she really knew much of what was happening. One night, my sister came up to my mom and had explained to her that at night, she would see figures, and would be able to speak to them. This creeped me out, because at the time, we would share a room, and I guess that I would have had to have been sleeping. I'm still not sure if she's a medium or not, but I guess I would assume that she is. I forget what the spirits may have said to her, or what she would have said to them, but I know that she had that ability. Flashback to when I was eight years old. Mind you, this was before anything had happened. I was going upstairs from the living room, and on around like the third or second step, I was pulled down off the stairs by my shoulders. I don't know if it could have just been me falling backwards off the stairs, but if I'm remembering correctly, I remember there being this weird force. Like, I could feel something grabbing me. Anyways, after everything that happened, my mother was sleeping like every other night. However, on this specific night, she was woken up in the darkness by an unfamiliar voice saying, Hey. She turned on the lampshade and nobody was there, and my dad had always been a heavy sleeper, so 
it couldn't have been him. When we were selling our house, we obviously had to leave so the people who were interested in buying could go and view the house. After a viewing, we went back, and as soon as we were going upstairs, my sister's school picture was on the floor, and only hers had been knocked off. We speculate that it could have been the people accidentally knocking it off, but the photo was secure, and the people who had viewed it didn't knock it off the wall, quoted from the realtor that had been there. After we had thankfully sold the house and moved out, my mother had mentioned to the realtor all of our paranormal activity that we had been experiencing, and to our shock, the realtor who had lived in the same house prior to us had mentioned similar experiences, as well as haunted furniture that she had brought into the house years and years back that had generations of potential spirits attached to them. I hope this was entertaining, and I'm very blessed to be in a new house, and I hope to never experience that again. I guess moral of the story, don't buy potentially haunted furniture. Also, I watch Sam and Colby all the time, so... I mean, maybe they should do an investigation there sometime. And to add an update, I was in my sister's apartment the other day and was looking at an old photograph of her and her boyfriend smiling in front of our old house. After looking closely at the photo, trying to see if I could find anything possibly in the windows behind them, I saw a very distorted and demonic face looking back at them. I took a picture of it and have it on my phone, but I'm not sure how to put it on the post. After finding this in the picture, it scared me so much that I could barely go upstairs by myself at night. I wanted to tell you about one of the most unnerving and confusing experiences of my life. I've been a bit hesitant to share this story with anyone, because I know that it makes me sound like I'm crazy, or like I've had a medical episode, but I want to say that, to the best of my and my doctor's knowledge, I am perfectly healthy, and my brain works in a way that can be described as mostly normal. It actually happened in the summer, last year, 2022 and I can remember the whole thing like it happened yesterday. My family had gotten together for a cookout at my grandmother's house, since we hadn't been able to really do so for the entirety of the previous two years. What was supposed to be a fun night with family and some of my uncle's barbecue ended up being a creepy experience that has haunted me ever since. My grandmother's house was a stereotypical cozy grandma house. It was on the edge of town, so it wasn't in a heavily populated section of our state, but it wasn't necessarily in the middle of nowhere. It was big enough for her to have raised five kids several decades ago, and it was the family meetup spot. On that day, the house was full. Everyone had showed up and the night was lively. My uncle had been at his grill all day, making all the barbecue he could for everyone, making way too much, as always, but enjoying every minute of it. We were all sitting outside, eating our burgers, and enjoying the smell of the grill as it slowly burned out. 
The sun was setting and the yard was covered in a really lovely orange glow that just kind of sprawled out. At one point, I found myself alone outside in the backyard, just reclining in a lawn chair and enjoying the calmness of the moment. I don't recall why I ended up alone. I think maybe some of my cousins were heading out, and everyone went inside to say goodbye or something. But I was just sitting there in the chair, watching the sunset and sipping on my cream soda. I remember that I suddenly started feeling like I was going to get violently ill. One second, I was perfectly fine and content, and then I felt this sharp pain in my stomach, and got hit with that stomach rush that you get right before you throw up. I sat up and leaned forward just in case I did end up getting sick, but as I did, I could feel my heart racing and my head pounding. The air around me started to feel really heavy. I could feel myself starting to sweat more, and honestly, I thought that I was about to have a massive heart attack. It really felt like I was about to die. It was then that I looked up and noticed that there was a light above me. I looked up slightly and saw what I thought was a flashlight shining on me at first, but it wasn't. It was a light that was in the sky. It was sizable. I'm not sure of how large exactly, but decent in length in all directions. It looked to be triangular with rounded edges, and while I couldn't tell how far away it was, it seemed to be hanging above me. I squinted at it, trying to focus more on it than the weird physical feeling that I was dealing with, but the world around me started feeling like it was spinning. I was struggling to breathe, I was struggling to stay upright, and the surge of panic was rushing through me. I actually tried to call out, to yell for someone to come help, but I couldn't. My voice was getting caught in my throat and the words were dying before they even formed. In that moment, time seemed to stretch and blur, making me feel almost like I was underwater. I know that that sounds strange, but the air was so dense and heavy that it felt like I was physically underwater, but mentally detaching from my body. My mind was screaming to move and run, but my body was completely frozen. My eyes were locked on that spectral object hovering above me. It physically felt like I was being stretched, like completely split apart but not like I was being cut, just being pulled yet staying still. I know that this is confusing, and this is what I mean when I say that it makes me sound crazy, but I can't find words to properly explain what was happening. But then, just as abruptly as this all had started, it was over. Of course, it wasn't just done. No, it had to get even more confusing. I was feeling like I was dying, staring at this light detaching from reality, and then I was standing in the bathroom of my grandma's house, staring at myself in the mirror. I wasn't doing anything, I was just standing there and staring at myself absentmindedly. Strangely enough, when I fully regained full control and focus of myself, I noticed that the faucet was running, the door was completely locked, 
and only one of the two sets of lights in the bathroom was on. I just stood there, frozen, trying to piece together what all had just happened. My head was pounding and my heart rate was definitely elevated. I looked around in confusion with my mind trying to grasp the situation. I had just been outside, alone, staring at that light, and now I was inside the house, a good couple hundred feet away, staring at myself in the bathroom mirror with the sink running. Nothing made any sense there. I stumbled out of the bathroom and back into the main parts of the house. The house was alive with the conversation of various family members, all just chatting and laughing, as if nothing had happened. I tried to act normal for the rest of the night, but my mind kept going back to that light, and that horrible feeling that I had while it was over me. I wanted to tell someone about it, but how could I? It sounded ludicrous. I've actually never told anyone in my family about this whole thing, no matter how much I have wanted to. The only thing I've mentioned to anyone was to one of my cousins, and I just asked her if I seemed a bit out of it or acted strange. She told me that I seemed fine, that she couldn't recall me being weird or anything. Every time I visit my grandma's house now, I can't help but look up in the backyard and half expect that ominous light to come back. I don't know what it was. Some kind of supernatural being? An alien craft? Was I possibly abducted by some entity and then placed back in the bathroom like that? Maybe. I really don't know. I will just say that nothing else has been different that I can notice. Beyond me just thinking about the whole thing, so... I don't think that it changed me if it was something supernatural or paranormal. Maybe I'll get answers someday. I really don't know, but I'm not going to hold my breath. So, I'm 15, and tonight I saw something. I think I saw something that reminded me of something else that I saw a few years ago, and I wanted to share it here. First, I think I should say what I believe I saw tonight. It's summer, and it's fairly hot, and we're doing some cleaning and packing so my sister and I, we share a room, have been sleeping in the living room and I was getting back from the bathroom and heading into the living room. We were watching The Muppet Show with my sister, and when I walked past my bedroom door, it was cracked open. But I swear that it was shut before, and I think I saw a pale white face through it. I think like Marinate from FNAF, having hollow dark eyes and a big hollow smile, just without the red cheeks, purple tears, and lipstick. It reminded me of a few summers ago. I don't think it was many years ago, just like 2020 or 2021. I was sleeping in the living room by myself to have some space for my sister, I believe. I was catching up on Amphibia, which is a cartoon that I like, and while the next episode was loading, I went to get a snack. I got myself some dry Fruit Loops because 
They taste better dry. Then I walked back to the living room. Now, how my apartment is set up, the living room and kitchen have no doors. There's just a part of a wall that divides the rooms. So there's the living room, the dining room, and the kitchen. And the dining room is the room that you walk into when you go inside the apartment. It's the room you have to walk through to get into any other room. Depending on where in the living room you are, you can see all or most of the dining room and have a direct view of the path to the front door. And when I walked back to the living room, I felt that feeling of having eyes on me. I quickly turned around and saw what looked like a woman. She was in a long white dress, maybe a wedding dress from what I remember. The bottom of the dress seemed more white, and then the higher up on the body, I guess, it began to blur more, and where the head would be was like, faded out. It was coming towards me, and I very quickly turned away and closed my eyes. When I looked back, she was gone. I've seen other white blurs and shadows as well as seeing and hearing other things, and my siblings have too, so I wouldn't be surprised if my apartment was haunted. But, although I remember these other experiences, I only have three that I think really stuck with me. One being the person in the dress. But since it's stuck with me, I'm curious. Does anyone know who the lady in the dress might be? Is it a good spirit? I don't know if I've seen her again or not, but... I remember that one time where I know that I did so well. I'm a long-time listener and first-time submitter. Let me first say that I have witnessed more than a few paranormal experiences in my 62 years on this earth. But this particular incident is a head-scratcher as I was not physically present when it occurred. My wife and I owned two horses who were once abandoned by their previous owners. For the last 10 plus years, we've spent considerable time getting them happy and healthy. I'm a retired law enforcement officer, and my wife is currently working. As such, I spend almost every day at the barn where our horses, Romeo and Susie, presently board even though the barn provides a stall cleaner whom I will call Jay. I choose to clean my horse's stalls. It's good old-fashioned work that feeds the soul. I did miss a day last week, so Jay cleaned the stalls for me. When I arrived at the barn the following day, I was greeted by Jay who proceeded to tell me about his lucky poker hand that netted $490. In the middle of his tail, he stopped and shockingly stared at me. Jay proceeded to tell me the following story. Jay said he was cleaning Susie's stall when he heard Romeo, who was in the adjacent stall, start to stir. Next, Jay said that he heard my loud, distinct whistle from close proximity to where he was cleaning. Simultaneously, Romeo excitedly cried out for me. The only problem was that I wasn't there and neither was anyone else in the barn. Jay was puzzled. There was no way that someone could have whistled that loud from such a close area, and then exit the barn in such a quick fashion. Jay canvassed the area directly in and around the barn, without seeing anyone, 
nor were there any cars in the dirt parking lot some 50 yards away. When I go to the barn, it is rare that anyone but Jay is there. Most people ride late afternoon after work, and when I offered possible explanations, Jay waved me off with, If Romeo didn't cry, maybe I could say that I imagined it, but nobody but you has that whistle, and only Romeo responds to it. It was a human whistle, not a whistle coming from a pipe or a machine. I looked and looked, but I didn't find anything. I should note that Jay is a very spiritual and practical person, not prone to messing with people or exaggeration. We do have peacocks around the area who are quite noisy, but when I offered that as a possibility, Jay just shook his head and said, No, they don't sound like your whistle. I didn't think much about it until later that evening. Could it be some form of audio energy being released at my usual arrival time? because I whistle every time I approach Romeo's stall? I just don't know, but what I've learned during my lifetime is that there are things that just cannot be explained. They are so-called horse whisperers. Maybe there are horse whistlers as well. I would love to hear if anyone else has experienced a mysterious whistling. Okay, so this all started when I moved to my apartment a few years ago. And just so everyone knows, I have a cat and a dog. But I got my cat in 2020, and I moved into the apartment in 2019. So first, when I moved in, nothing really happened. Other than hearing meows and when asking if anyone else heard them too, they would all say no. Most of this stuff takes place in 2022 and 2023, because those are where the experiences were at their fullest. So, first, I would hear cat footsteps when my cat wasn't near. I would hear them under the bed, and when I checked under the bed, there would be nothing there. And no, it can't be my dog, because my dog's footsteps are way louder, and she was in my bed anyways. I would see a shadow of a cat randomly, and once I heard the sound of a cat playing with something, which I'm used to as my cat is very energetic and plays with almost anything. And I was home alone, so I thought it was my cat. It was in my big brother's room, just so you know, which is across the hall. I looked beside me, and then I saw my cat, so she wasn't in that room. She was just sitting down on the floor. I thought maybe my dog had somehow done it, but it couldn't be her as she was on my lap at the time. So, I gathered the courage I had to walk over there with my pets, of course. But when I checked under the bed, which was where the sound was coming from, there was nothing there. I would hear random meows from random places that nobody else could hear. I think I even saw the cat... It was a black and white cat. This isn't the only paranormal experience. My brother has also had some, but this is just the one that I can't really explain. I would also hear a cat jumping onto the bed. Once, I even saw the cat, so I know that it wasn't mine. 
my cat is black and gray with only a little bit of white. Even if I was hearing and seeing things, well, that wouldn't be possible for what happened a few months ago. A few months ago, I was sitting on my bed on my phone. I then felt my cat climbing on top of me, which she does often. So, I thought it was my cat, as I felt the weight of her and felt her getting on top of me. I looked up and saw nothing. There was nothing there. I only felt the cat getting on me, not getting off. And I would see my cat in the corner of my eye if she had jumped off, so... This just can't be explained. It's very weird that I would always hear the meows, and even see my cat meowing at nothing while looking up. I would always hear my cat's footsteps when she wasn't there, and even see the shadow of the cat, or the cat itself, and I know that I felt it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know whose cat it is, nor do I know why only I can hear it and see it. When I was about 10 years old, we were living in a horseshoe-shaped housing estate. One way in, same way out. As you first came into the street, there were bungalows, maybe five or six with elderly residents, and then family homes after that. One of the older residents was a lady called Ms. Green. She was the grandmother of my school friend who did not live in that estate. One afternoon, my sister and I, she was a year older than me, came walking up the hill and into the estate coming home from school. Ms. Green was standing on the little path that led to her door, looking very distressed. We asked her if she was okay. She said, I can't get back into my house. I asked if she had lost her key and she replied, No, I just can't get back in. She was holding a small clip purse, wallet, in America, and she opened it. There was a small amount of change in it, and on top of the change was a single key. I lifted it out and asked her if that was her front door key. She replied with, Yes, please, will you help me get back in? We said of course and walked up her path. I was a bit worried about her as she was acting so strange. My sister put the key in the door and turned it, and just then, the lady from across the road shouted, Get away from there! What are you doing? You're morbid! We turned to look at her, and I said that we were just helping Miss Green. I looked back to see that she must have already gone back into the house, so we left and went home. I asked my mom what morbid meant, and told her what happened. She said that Miss Green had gone out back the night before to get coal for the fire. All the houses had coal fires. It was Ireland in the 70s. And she had slipped and fallen outside the back door and was unable to move. Her body had been found that morning. She died mostly from the cold, but she'd also damaged her hip in the fall. This one was a bit unnerving, but not really terrifying. We've had weird experiences in our house for many years. In fact, 
I've smudged the house twice since the activity began. It worked, but eventually it would always start back up, but be different. I attribute this to the fact that I am a home improvement contractor and have strange experiences in people's homes all the time. Anyway, the other day I was down in my basement switching out laundry. My washer and dryer are at the very bottom of the stairs near my boiler and hot water heater. I put a load of clothes in the dryer, started it, and went back upstairs. As I reached the top of the stairs, I heard a loud metallic bang, as if something heavy fell and hit the dryer. I went back down thinking I had knocked something over when I left, but could find nothing out of place. I looked around for a minute or two, and finding nothing, I blew it off and went back upstairs. When I reached the top of the stairs, I was about to open the door and walk into my kitchen when I heard it again. The loud, metallic bang. The exact same sound that I'd heard earlier. Now I'm starting to freak out a little. I thought maybe I put something in the dryer that could cause the noise, so I went back down, opened up the dryer, and looked through the clothes, but found nothing. I restarted the dryer and waited a good four to five minutes looking around for something that could have caused the noise, and I found nothing. The noise did not happen after I restarted the dryer. Now, I'm thinking it could be a spirit messing with me. We had our house read last year, and the sensitive told us that we had two spirits that resided in our basement. One was an old man who hung out over by my little workshop on the opposite end of the basement, and the other was a little boy who resided in the area near the washer and dryer, where we store all of our clothes. Thinking the boy was playing games with me, I spoke out loud to the empty room and basically said that I was okay with sharing the house with spirits, as long as they meant no harm to me or my family, and that if they meant to scare or terrorize anyone, that they were not welcome and would have to leave. I turned around and went back upstairs, and the noise hasn't happened again. Was it a ghost? I have no idea. But it stopped when I asked it to, and I still have yet to find something that could have caused that banging noise. This is a ghost story, I guess. If I'm being honest, I'm not really sure myself. For a little backstory, it was my 13th birthday, and me and my friends were going to hang out all day, and then they were going to stay the night. My grandparents had a huge farm, so of course we were all going to stay there. The girls would sleep with me in the camper, and the boys would sleep in the house about 80 to 90 feet away from us. There were four girls, including myself, and then the boys. We decided that we would play hide-and-seek at night before we would hit the sack. Boys were finders, girls were hiders. We decided to hide in the far back of the land, where there were tractor parts and such. Now, right beside us was a driveway in the woods that it wasn't ever really used. This driveway also led to the road about a mile away. So, we got quiet, and of course the adrenaline was already high from the excitement of hiding. 
Everything was still except for the crickets. Then, as if we were in a movie, loud thumping footsteps rang through the woods right on the driveway that I was talking about. We froze. The boys were on the other side of the land by the farms, so there was no way that it was them, and there was no way to warn them. It was about 30 minutes before the boys made their way over, which is when the footsteps stopped. We were all freaking out as we tried to tell the boys, but they didn't care, and then they went to the house to sleep. So, as shook up as we were, we went to our little camper and settled in. Now, the other girls fell asleep quickly, but I stayed up because, well, I'm almost an insomniac. It was maybe one in the morning and I started staring at the camper ceiling when the footsteps were thumping again, but this time it got a lot closer. I looked out the camper window, which luckily had blinds that were thin, to see a silhouette. I stopped completely and stared at this thing, and then it spoke in a gravelly voice. It said, You better be careful next time. I will admit that I was crying from fear, but I'm not going to let this person play with me like this, so I opened the blinds just to see nothing. It was completely empty. I thought I was going insane until I heard the footsteps walking away and a very low giggle. Not like a kid giggling, but like a man giggling. I never spoke of this to anyone, because, well, who was going to listen to a 13-year-old? This is another story from my mom, though this time it's from when she was a teen. When my mom was around 15, she had lived in Germany for a few years. Her and her parents lived in a three-story old brick house, though this was a rental house, which they were only going to be living in for a small amount of time. One night, when my mother went to bed, she tossed and turned, unable to go to sleep for some reason. She didn't know why, but she had a horrible gut feeling. She finally decided to sit up in her bed, knowing that something was definitely wrong. Though, before she decided to go to her parents' room, she sees a figure standing outside of her window. It was the outline of a man with the only thing that could be properly made out was the fact that this man had red eyes. My mother wanted to scream for a second, but then something hit her. Her room was on the third floor of the house. There was no way that anyone could be standing outside her window unless they had gotten a ladder and climbed it. But the noise surely would have woken the whole house up, if not at least she would have noticed. Something in my mother told her not to get up, to just lay back down and pretend to be asleep, as if she didn't see anything. As much as she wanted to go running to her parents' bedroom, something deep down was sending off alarms telling her not to. The whole night, my mom laid in her bed unable to get up, but unable to fall asleep due to pure fear overtaking her. She waited until the sun was shining when she looked back over to the window, and the man was no longer there. She sighed in relief, though she was still unable to go back to sleep, so 
she got up and walked to her parents' bedroom, where she woke them both up and told them what happened. My grandfather, her dad, walked to my mom's room, though him and my grandmother didn't really believe my mom, thinking she was just having a bad dream or something. He told her it was nothing and that no one could have been at her window since they were so far up from the ground. My mom begged my grandparents to believe her, saying that she wasn't able to sleep all night, nor get up to tell the two of them, though they still didn't believe her. Two weeks go by and my mother had only seen the man at her window five other times, though she felt like she was being constantly watched in the neighborhood. She kept telling her parents, though each time they didn't believe her, saying that she was just imagining it. Then, whenever my grandparents were visiting with the next-door neighbor, my mother's so-called nightmares were brought up by my grandparents to the lady. The lady went pale as a ghost the moment my grandfather described the man that my mother had described to them time and time before in the last week. The lady said it was a spirit that's been around for decades, just standing outside of young girls' rooms watching them. No one knew why or when the first time the spirit had arrived, but when it did, it never left. Most of the neighbors believed it to be an evil spirit that would prey on the young girls, and once it had its eyes on the next victim, the girl would go crazy seeing the man everywhere they go in the neighborhood. Though it was just a rumor. This was enough to make my grandparents freak out and move out of the rental as quickly as they could, which luckily was extremely quick, since they had just moved in and most of the boxes hadn't even been unpacked yet. This had to be one of the more creepy stories that my mom has told me. Though many people wouldn't see it as too bad, my mom was terrified. Even when telling the story, which she won't often do, you can tell that she still gets freaked out. I've been babysitting for this family for two years now. The kids are two girls. A is 10 and Y is 7. This happened around September of last year. The family lives on the countryside with some horses and a farm about a five-minute walk away. There are other houses nearby, too. On this particular night, it was a little rainy and Y was fast asleep, while I was struggling getting A into her bed. It was around 10pm and her mom was due back soon, so I was aware that she'd be annoyed if she was still awake. A asked for a bedtime story, which I was happy to do. She climbed into the bed, and the family dog decided to join her and jumped up into the bed too. Around 20 minutes later, A was getting pretty close to falling asleep, when I heard the sound of the front door opening, followed by the inner boot room door opening too, which had a distinctive squeaking sound. I sighed knowing that she was back and A wasn't asleep, so she'd be annoyed with A. Although, when I checked my phone, I noticed that she was about 25 minutes early, which is strange of her. The dog instantly jumped off the bed and ran downstairs barking, which in turn caused A to sit up and ask, Is that mummy? 
I assured her it was okay and to lay back down as I knew she was pretty much about to fall asleep. Which she did. I got up and started walking out of her room and across the landing to the stairs. Only the top of the stairs are visible from the area that I was standing. Before I could make it to the top of the stairs, I heard the sound of the mum's voice calling up. Hello? From the bottom of the stairs. She said it in a whisper, so I replied whispering, Hi. Although, when I got to the top of the stairs, I peered down, and there was no one there. Just a weird silence slash emptiness. I slowly walked down and looked around all the rooms, but with no sign of the mum, or anyone for that matter. The door was still locked, and their dog was now laying down by it. Trying not to freak out, I unlocked the door expecting to see her car or a neighbor or something, but there was no one there. I even checked in on why, but she was still asleep. I could not find a cause of all this. No intruders, no TVs on, and no one was downstairs when it happened. Their mom arrived back 20 minutes after this, and I told her about what happened. She was shocked and a little scared, but assured me that she had not come back early and left again, like I'd convinced myself what had happened. A thankfully didn't remember any of this the next morning. As I expected, she was half asleep when she asked, is that mummy? I really just don't know what to think about this situation. Strange things have happened before here. Random noises, footsteps, etc., but... Nothing as real and scary as this. Anyone have any thoughts? In 2020, at the beginning of COVID, I had just given birth. At this time, I could only have one other person in the room with me my entire stay at the hospital. Of course, my kid's father was there, but the third day, he left to clean up our house and get everything prepared for me and the baby. I had gotten sick and had a C-section, so I had to stay for about four to five days. Well, while he was away, a nurse named Kelly said that she would be helping me throughout the day and spending time with me so I didn't feel lonely while dad was gone. I couldn't really hold my baby due to me being sick and the pain from the C-section, so my nurses would come in every time it was time to feed. I noticed when they came in they wouldn't acknowledge Kelly, and she would go to the furthest part of the room and would tell me, I'm just going to get out of the way. Now, she did tell me that she didn't specialize in what they did, so she was just for comfort so I didn't really question anything. The entire day, she was so helpful and encouraging to me. I really believe that I would have broken down if she wasn't in there with me. She was such a sweetheart. Well, after about five or six hours, she told me that she had to leave, and that she would come to visit me before her shift was over to see how I was doing. She hugged me and blew a kiss at my baby and then walked out of the room. Later that night, Dad came back, and he was very upset. 
He told me some stuff happened with his mom and that he was sorry he took so long. I was upset, but I told him that a nurse named Kelly kept me company. As I'm telling him about her, my nurse is changing my sheets and she's like, Who's Kelly? I explained and she said that nobody named Kelly was in my room or working that day. So, I instantly thought about those women who would pretend to be nurses and kidnap children. But my nurse told me that I may just be hallucinating, and she told my doctor. I talked to my doctor and he said the same thing. A couple of hours later, a nurse that I didn't recognize came into my room and said, I know this might sound crazy, but... Everyone on the floor is talking about you seeing Kelly? And I said, yeah, she was here with me for like seven hours today. She helped out a lot. We're smiling and laughing while I was telling her about Kelly and how sweet and funny she was. And then she pulled up her phone and showed me a picture of her and Kelly that looked to be like it was in the early 2000s. I was smiling, knowing that I wasn't hallucinating. Then... She sat down and told me that Kelly died over ten years ago due to domestic violence from her boyfriend. I wasn't too shocked because my entire life I've been dealing with the paranormal, but I got chills because I never had an encounter this deep. Well, the lady gave me a hug and started crying, saying, Now I know that she is okay. Ever since that day, I've been wondering... Why did Kelly come into my room to help me? And I kind of wish that I could see her again. Recently, I've mentioned to my mother about my interest in paranormal experiences, which I then asked her if she'd had any. She replied with a few stories, but one stuck out to me. The story begins with toddler me eating breakfast and my mother in the kitchen. I turned to her and asked, Mommy, can you make that cat stop staring at me? At the time, we had a cat named Piper, so she thought I was talking about, well, Piper. She told me that she can't do anything about Piper looking at me, and I responded, Not Piper, the white and orange cat. This got her confused. We didn't have a white and orange cat. She asked me what I was talking about, and I said, You know, the cat right there. And then I pointed to the couch. She didn't see anything. Later, out of curiosity, she asked our neighbors about the cat that I saw. They told her that they did have a cat, but the only white and orange one they've ever owned had passed away. So... My mother and I think that I saw our neighbor's dead cat. Hi Raven, my name is Briley White and I'm a big fan, but anyways, I lived in a haunted house and in my basement I had one of the creepiest things happen to me. So, me and my brother were sleeping in my basement, and he went to sleep around 11 o'clock. So, I was up alone, and I'm sitting watching TV, and then it randomly turns off. So, it was pitch black. 
I did have a phone, but I didn't have internet. So I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I heard someone or something run up my stairs. I heard that for about an hour, and then it stopped. So I was kind of freaked out. Then I heard the door to the garage slam open, and then shut. I froze in fear. It was close to Halloween, and we had decorations out, and we had this bowl where, if you'd stick your hand inside of it, it would go off. And I heard that go off. I don't know how to explain it, but it was like a cold wind ran through me. Then I got on my phone and went on Netflix, and like I said, I didn't have any internet. So I went to my downloads on Netflix, and it was all horror movies. I turned off my phone and rolled over, and I felt something touch me on my back. It was like 7 or 8 in the morning, and it was just now getting light outside, so I ran upstairs as quickly as I could. I was in total fear. I've told some people about it, and nobody believes me, but that's my story, and I'll probably come in here and tell another one later. Hey there, friends. I hope that you enjoyed this collection of scary stories on this episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast. If you did, make sure that you follow the podcast on whatever platform that you're utilizing. And if the platform you are on has a rate the podcast option, please consider doing so. Those ratings push the podcast into the algorithm and we all know how the algorithm controls everything, so... Yeah. I also do have a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash asthereavendreams, you can support the channel further. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get early access to all of my content in audio format. The content's a little different, as it's based on what I upload to my YouTube side, but it's the same stories. Just in different collections of stories than how they're presented here. Speaking of stories... If you have one you would like to submit to me, please go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button in the middle of the screen that says Submit Your Story. Now, these stories are mostly sourced by listeners, so let's keep the podcast alive. If you've got one, I'd love to read it. Anyways, friends, I hope you're all having a beautiful day and a lovely week, and I hope I see you again very soon. But until then, remember you're loved, you're valid, you're important. You're the best you that you can be. Never forget it. And until next time, much love and sleep well. <laughs>